Come on, how many are glad he came? Come on, how many are glad for new life that he brought? Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah. I was supposed to lead that song too, but at the last minute, Brother Hayes got voluntold. <laughs> I appreciate him. Praise God. Why don't you stand with me this morning? I have, I have kind of wrestled in my spirit. The Lord began to speak to me earlier this week. And then uh, the Lord began to speak to me again. And uh, I'm going to just follow what I feel in the Holy Ghost for this morning. I do have a word from the Lord for tonight. And uh, Sister, I'm going to go. I know I haven't given you scriptures because I've been between two of them. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse number 20 and 21. <clears throat> Matthew chapter number 1. And then from there, we will also read in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. It is good to be together with the good people of God. There's nowhere I would rather be than with God's people. Praise God. When you love Jesus, you love his body. There's no way around it. You don't want to be around the body. It's because you don't love Jesus. But when you love Jesus, you want to be around the body. And I love the body of Christ. It is a beautiful thing. Praise God. Matthew chapter 1, uh, verses twenty. And 21, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins praise God she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 through 11 wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. I'm going to preach to you from this title for a few moments and it may be like Brother Shelton says, it may be scrambled eggs, but we'll have an omelet after it's done. But I want to preach to you from this title, I Want the Name. I Want the Name. Put your Bibles down. Let's lift our voice one more time to the Lord this morning. Lord, I thank you for your spirit that I feel here today. Hallelujah, Lord, your presence is so very real and strong in this place. Lord, I pray that your word would speak to us today. In the name of Jesus, I pray that revelation and conviction would come upon us today. 
In the name of Jesus, we thank you for your presence. One more time, why don't you clap your hands to the Lord and give God praise. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated this morning. I want the name. His name is applied to our lives in the waters of baptism. But I, as, as I have meditated upon this and as I have thought about it, and, and this, this surely is true, if someone gets baptized without desiring to have his name upon them, without truly desiring that he would wash away their sins, if they are not baptized in the name of Jesus, or if just for some reason they decided to get baptized, but without the lack of sincerity or the desire to have the name of Jesus upon their life, I'm afraid many people have just gotten wet. Yes, Our sins are remitted in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. But also what happens there is His name is put upon our life when the name of Jesus is spoken over us in baptism. We must have the name of Jesus upon us In the waters of baptism. John chapter 3. Jesus said marvel not. When I say unto you. You must be born of the water. And of the spirit. That is not a suggestion. It is not an option. But it is absolutely an ultimatum. If you want to be a part of the kingdom of God. You must be born of the water. And you must be born of the spirit. God didn't save everybody in the days of Noah. He saved eight people. And if only eight people want to get on the boat, only eight people are not going to drown. God made sure, God made sure. you got to hear this this morning. God made sure that there was nobody that came up with an escape route other than the, other than the ark. There might have been those that may have fashioned some type of device to cling to the ark as it rose above the waters, but God made sure that nobody would survive. And Jesus tells us in the New Testament, like in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. There's going to be certain people doing the right thing and certain people doing the wrong thing. One's going to be taken and one is going to be left. One is going to have obeyed the word of God and one is not going to have obeyed the word of God. And at the, top, at the highest mountain peak that, that any human could climb to as the waters rose, God made sure that the last remaining human that did not obey Noah the preacher, God made sure of it that that human being went under the water and took their last breath. Isn't God cruel? No, God is is a righteous and a just God. He gave them a way of escape. But they did not obey. And those that do not obey, the Bible says in Galatians 
uh, uh, 3 and 1. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth? Obedience is what we must have in our life to the Word of God if we're going to make it to heaven. I remember when I was a kid, and I might get in trouble for this, but y'all just pray for me. Uh, you know, I remember as a kid seeing other kids with um, their name brand shoes. And I was all in my Payless shoes. And how many times I looked at somebody else like, man, they got cool Nikes. And I remember the first time I got my, my first pair of Adidas made me walk a little different. <laughs> remember when we went to Kohl's and I got my idea. I remember we went to Kohl's and got me some Reeboks. And I went back home and I did my hair. <laughs> Parted. <laughs> and I wore them until they wore out. Because, like, man, this is what it's like to have the name brand shoes. You just makes you, it makes you walk a little bit different, makes you... Makes you uh, uh, present yourself just a little bit different when you when you when you've looked at everybody else having the name brand and you didn't have the name brand, then you finally get the name brand. It's like I, I didn't care if they were comfortable or not. It's what it's what the logo was on the outside. Didn't matter. I remember wearing shoes that were like th two or three sizes too big for me one time because they had Nike on the side. Never mind, I looked like I had shoes that were way too big. But hey, man, they were the name brand. My parents really were not abusive. But there's something about, and our culture pushes it. The name brand that's, that's placed out in, in, uh, in marketing. There's certain things that will charge you more, not because necessarily they are a better product. I, I what, what's, what's the, what? What's the name of the, the tumbler that's like 20 bucks or 30 bucks? And then there's the Walmart one that's like five. Yeti. I ain't got a Yeti. I've got an Ozark. <laughs> Nobody knows. You know, it's not like you're wearing Nikes or Bikies. You know, it's not like that. Nobody really knows. But it does the same job. But Yeti will sell because of their name. There are certain things that will push a product. So many people, how many, how many folks have an Apple phone, but Samsung, is it Samsung, Galaxy, whatever it's had, they, I think they had, they had a, a wireless charging, I think, a generation or two before Apple did. I didn't even really know that. I've been an Apple guy since I got a, a, a smartphone, and, and, you know, everybody has their preference. But Apple has gotten to the point where they can just kind of do what they want, and they have people that will simply buy Apple because it's Apple. Not because necessarily it's the best at everything, but because they like the name. And, and they have the logo that they have. And this is common in marketing. They'll, they'll push it out there. And, and, and successful companies will, uh, after so long and so much success, can virtually do what they want to do. And the name sells itself. There was a, a, a basketball player, I forget who it was, but he had, uh, I think it was a Nike dealer. He's wearing Nikes, and he was playing in college, and he, he busted his shoes, split them wide open. Now, that's not very good for, like, I think it was Nike that, uh, you know, well, these shoes are supposed to last, but it didn't really hurt 
their sale. People are just going to go buy it because people want to wear Nikes. And they have really pretty much taken over the basketball world, and, 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 and I don't know what their numbers are or exactly how to measure how big Nike is. But the one thing that Nike has done over a period of time since the 70s is they have built a brand, and you know the Nike symbol. You know it's, it's, it's the name brand. And many different companies have done this in their marketing and in their sales is if they can get you to want the name brand, they can almost sometimes go a little cheap in other areas because they know it's not necessarily always about the comfort. It's about the name. Almost half embarrassed to admit this, but eight or nine years ago, I... Stood in line. Well, I don't know if I stood in line. I laid in line because I wanted to get me a pair of Jordans. But when Jordan was playing, I didn't have the kind of money to go buy $120 pair of Jordans. My parents certainly were going to give me $120 to go buy, buy a pair of Jordans. I was going to mess up. So they, they do this thing now. Where they, some of you may know, they, they, all the shoes that Jordan wore back in the 90s, they're called the retros, and they'll bring them out in limited quantities, and you can buy them. And, and when, they, when they bring out the retro Jordans that he wore when he played, now they got all kinds of colorways, and, but the ones that, the colors that he played in, those are the ones that are the hot ticket item. And I wanted to get me some Jordan 13, so I, I laid out all night at Shields, and I was. I, got the, I was the first one. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not getting up early in the morning for there to be a bunch of people in front of me. I'm going to be the first one there. That's how I'm going to get them. And anyway, so I, I bought these Jordans. And I, in my brain, I thought they were going to be the quality that they used to be in the 90s. That you could actually play basketball in them. Because that's what they were for. But now they're not for that. Yeah, that's what I thought. I put them on, and I was like, oh. I put them on, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, I mean, they were, they were, they were you know, they, were, they weren't cheap, but you definitely couldn't go play ball in them. I wanted to play ball in them. So I had these Jordans that had the name, but they didn't have anything really more than that. They were made for nothing more than wearing with jeans or wearing casually wherever, and I wanted them to play. They didn't have the quality. So they've learned that they can skimp on the quality, and you'll still buy the name because people want the name brand. People go crazy over Jordans overnight. There's people get killed sometimes over Jordans. You know why? Because people want the jump man on their face. They want everybody to see it. There's something about even in our world, having the name brand on your clothes. And back in the 90s when Tommy Hilfiger was big, the bigger the flag, the better. The name brand, that was the big thing. I, I'm telling on myself this morning. I'm getting, I really am going somewhere this morning. But <laughs> this is pretty sad. This is pretty sad. This is pretty sad. So my brother had a pair of Tommy Hilfiger jeans, right? And he wore them, wore them, wore them. He wore them out. Well, you know what didn't wear out? The little flag on the back. <laughs> so we cut them off. 
and my mom sold them on a pair of like Lee jeans. And I was at, and I was at teen camp. <laughs> and I was at camp, right? And I had my T-shirt tucked in and the belt going through. And man, I'm like, man, those are awesome jeans, man. Like those jeans. Everybody, everybody saw it and nobody had a clue. <laughs> oh, did I just lose everybody? What some people will go through to have the name on their clothes. Oh, man. But if there's one name that we cannot do without, if you're going to make it to see the other side, you had better do everything that the Word of God says to do to have the name of Jesus on your life. Oh, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. You had better make sure that you have the name of Jesus applied to your life if you're going to make it to the other side. It does make a difference whether or not you have the name of Jesus applied to your life in the waters of baptism. You're not going to be a part of the bride if you don't have his name. And he's not going to recognize you as part of the bride if you haven't taken on the name of Jesus in the waters of baptism. But I'm thankful today that I went down in the water in the name of Jesus and all my sins were washed away. And not only were my sins washed away, but for the rest of my life, the name of Jesus is stamped on my spirit. I want the name. I'm not trying to avoid the name. I'm not trying to make up my own formula. But I want the name of Jesus upon my life. And the only people that are going to go through the pearly gates are people that say, not only do I have to have the name, but I want the name. I want to be identified with him. I don't want to be confused with everybody else. But I want his name. If you want his name this morning, clap your hands and give him praise right now. Hallelujah. When I was about 13, here I go again. I had a pair of bikies. B-I-K-E, bikey. Somebody needs to buy me some Nikes today just because you feel sorry for me. Oh. Everybody in one way or another knows what it's like to look at the real and the generic and say, well, the generic don't cost as much. I'm going to preach it this morning. I'm going to tell you what. There are generic messages that are being preached all through Christianity today. And you know why people are buying them? I can tell you why they're coming in the droves to buy them. Because they don't cost as much. Yeah. 
They're, they're, they're buying them because it doesn't cost as much commitment. It doesn't cost as much surrender. It doesn't cost the consecration and the commitment if you get the generic message. Oh, there's lots of generic messages, and people are just buying it up and eating it up and going, and it looks like everything is good. But there's a difference between the real thing and the generic message. You've got to go back to the book of Acts if you want to find the authentic message. You've got to go back to the first message that was preached in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, when Peter stood up and began to preach about Jesus. If you want to find what the authentic message is, it is the message of Jesus Christ. And and Acts 2.38 is the response to the message of Jesus. That is the first message. That is the first altar call. That is the first question that a sinner looked at Peter and said, what do I need to do? It says, then Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm not seeking after a cheaper generic message. I'm not seeking after a cheaper, easier Christianity, but I'm seeking after the real thing, the authentic message. It will cost you more. It'll cost you more consecration. It'll cost you more commitment. It may even cost you your family members because they don't want nothing to do with you, but I don't care what the cost is. I've got to have the real thing. I've got to have the real message. I don't care what it costs me. I've got to have the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. It was in 1886, I believe, that a chemist, no, a pharmacist of all people, would invent what we know as Coca Cola. It was in the 1890s that another pharmacist in another city. Invented another sugary drink. He called it, or would ultimately be known as, Pepsi. And for years and years, there would be the feuding between the two. And Pepsi, as you know, is a sweeter, more sugary drink than Coca-Cola is. And as the 1970s came to a close in the 1980s, uh, uh, came the early 1980s. Pepsi was sales were doing so well, and there were commercials of uh, younger kids choosing Pepsi over Coke, and the slogan became "The Choice of a New Generation." Until finally, Coca-Cola didn't know what to do because the new Pepsi was outselling them and, 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 and that particular commercial or advertisement of a choice of a new generation really, really bothered them and they didn't know what they were going to do and so they, they tried to, they went back and got together and they invented and they put together what they would ultimately call New Coke. And it was supposed to compete with Pepsi. I believe it was in 19... 19- 82 or 3. New Coke, and it was sweeter, and it was kind of like Pepsi, and, and, and they thought this would be what would boost their sales. So 
They began to do it, and, and Coke drinkers were enraged because they wanted Coca-Cola. And after a, a very short period of time, they come to understand that those Coke drinkers did not like the new Coke as they were trying to compete with Pepsi. Pepsi was the, the new and upcoming thing. It was the choice of a new generation. But they, they quickly realized that this new Coke thing wasn't working out. And they came out with what we know as they went back to the original recipe. Coca-Cola. Classic. And since that day, they have never ceased, to, to my understanding, to undersell Pepsi. But they have far out, out, uh, exceeded them. Now, Pepsi owns many more uh, uh, companies. If you look at all the companies that some of these are owned by and, and all of them put together, it's kind of astounding how many of these companies are actually merged because one is bought out another and bought out another and bought how many Pepsi owns. But Coca-Cola sales are always beyond what Pepsi sales are. And it's all because in the 1980s, they faced the temptation to try to be like everything else that was new and up and coming. And they found that it really, really didn't work. And so they went back to the original recipe. And they found through that that they would always outsell. And there's never been a, really a problem since. Because they went back to the original recipe. Since the day of Pentecost. Since the, the church was formed in early Acts. It wasn't too terribly uh, far along in uh, the new church. That, that new doctrines began to uh, appear. It wasn't until after 150 AD. That the word Trinity was ever actually uttered out of some one's mouth. But, but you see only a hundred or a couple hundred years after uh, the book of Acts took place, the other things begin to pop up and other things, interpretations of scripture that the apostles did not preach, that the apostles did not teach. And, 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 and it tastes kind of similar. It tastes a little bit sweeter. It tastes, it's a little bit easier to get down. You see, Pepsi doesn't quite burn just like Coca-Cola does. And let me tell you that there are a lot of other doctrines that are easier to swallow. There's a lot of other doctrines that taste sweeter on the way down. There's a lot of other things that have been preached for over a thousand years that the apostles did not preach. There's a lot of doctrines that are preached that, that, many, that the apostles and the disciples that walk with Jesus, they did not preach them, that Jesus did not preach them. There are things that are preached in pulpits all over America and all over the world. To put it quite simply, they're nothing more than a generic representation of what the apostles and the disciples and Jesus preached in the New Testament. For one name brand, you can go to the store and you got a, a number of generic brands representing. And we live in America and there are so many people that would rather take the Equate brand of salvation. Well, it's kind of like it. There are similarities. There are a lot of, a lot of the same scriptures. 
Only problem is, is when you get something generic, they really don't know the original recipe. They're just making their best stab at copying it. And it's always there. It's always cheaper. It's always easier to obtain. It's better for the budget, easier on your wallet. And it probably tastes enough similar that you can get by because it costs enough less that you don't have to pay the price to buy it. But Jesus said, if any man come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Let me tell you, if there, man, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. If there is any doctrine that's ever preached that, that gives you anything less than taking up your cross, that gives you anything less than self-denial, that gives you anything less than being crucified with Christ. If there's anything that is preached or taught to you that you don't have to surrender to God to receive it, I want to tell you, you've got to run far away because Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you've got to deny yourself and take up your cross. And follow me. The authentic message. There is what's called the first mention principle. Many times it's, it, it, you go to the word of God. You want to find out what something means. Go to the first time that it appears in the word of God. The first time that you find grace in the word of God is the story of Noah. If you don't want to know what grace looks like by the, by the law of first, uh, first mention principle in the Bible, go to the story of Noah. It wasn't grace that saved Noah. It was faith that saved Noah. And the Bible says in the New Testament that his faith was displayed by his obedience to build the ark. Grace gave him a plan. Obedience is what saved him. That, that's what grace is. People are, are really mixed up on what grace is. Grace is saying, okay, I, I, the world is going to end. It is going to be destroyed. You are going to spend eternity somewhere, someday. But this is how you escape it. If you don't utilize my plan, that one's on you. That's what God gave Noah. God gave him grace. But the Bible says he was moved by fear to the saving of his family by building an ark. I believe that we are coming to a day. I have been meditating on this for a little while. I, I, I believe that modern day Christianity as a whole, that people are sick of it. They'll go by, go by the thousands uh, 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 to, 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 to different churches that will feed them nothing more than a self-help book at the end of the day and, and, and have them pray a simple prayer that was never prayed by any disciple in the Word of God, that was never instructed to be prayed to us by Jesus, but yet will do it and declare that they are then saved. And people, I believe, subconsciously know nothing happened when I prayed that prayer. I, I, I think you're telling me the power of God just saved me, and I, and, 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 and I didn't feel a thing. Nothing in the Word of God tells me. I mean, here, you've probably heard, maybe have heard Brother Jeff Arnold talk about how many times he went to churches and accepted Jesus, of his, Jesus Christ as his personal Savior, and he had a stack of cards that he'd been given to him because he'd accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior so many times. He had a stack of business cards from everybody that helped him pray the sinner's prayer. And he said, every time I prayed it, I felt the same way. But then when I received the gift of the Holy Ghost, something in my life tra changed and transformed. Let me tell you something, that the power of God that will keep you is the power of God that will save you. There's not a different power to save you than there is to keep you. But the same power that has kept you this whole way is the same power that saved you. You must be born of the water and of the spirit. But I believe that there is coming a revival. 
in America and around the world for the authentic message that was preached in the book of Acts. People are sick and tired, I believe, of hearing messages that are that are that are lacking power and that are lacking conviction and that are lacking the power to change them and that is lacking the power to wash away their sins. But it's there as clear as it can be in the word of God. It is there five times in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, chapter 10, chapter 19 and chapter 22 that when they were baptized they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ why because he was the sacrifice for sins and he was the name that is above every name the name of Jesus and that if they were going to be saved and have their sins washed away they must have the name of Jesus spoken over them at baptism we live in a generation now the generation used to say what must I do to be saved? So many folks today are saying, what can I do and still be saved? You ain't going to fool God all the way into heaven. Nobody is going to get to heaven accidentally. Nobody's going to get to heaven and Jesus say, well, why are you here? You slip one past me. Nobody's going to wind up in heaven Shocked and surprised that they're there. Nobody. The only people that are going to make it to heaven are there going to be the people that say, Lord, I want to have your name on my life. I want to be separated unto you. I want to be your people. I want to live for you. I want to obey your word. Nobody's accidentally going to get there. It's only going to be the people that get their Bible out or let somebody teach them and have, if you will, a shovel in their hand and say, okay, this is worth digging over. I'm going to dig through this until I find truth. I'm going to dig into the Word of God until I know that I know that I know that I know. I want to have his name. And I believe that there are people. There, 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 it, it, was, it was early on in Christianity. In Christianity. That they began to baptize. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. The Catholic dictionary will tell you. This is getting, this is getting off the beaten path just a little bit. The Catholic dictionary itself will tell you that. The Trinity is not a biblical doctrine. They invented it. And in their own encyclopedia, in their own dictionary, it will tell you. It was man-made. The disciples, Peter, Paul, knew what Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19. But what has happened is, as over the years, as it has gone by, there has been a generic brand that has been presented to humanity, pushed out there on the front of the shelf. It's cheaper. It's easier. It's seemingly more uh, accessible. And, and just because everybody is buying it and everybody has a generic brand of doctrine doesn't mean that everybody's going to heaven. 
you've got to have the authentic message that was preached in the book of Acts, that was preached by Peter, that was preached by Paul, that was explained to us first by Jesus. I'm going to tell you that, that, that if I can wrap this into one thing this morning, that in this Christmas season, as, as, as the angels stood by the shepherds and announced that Jesus Christ was born, and as, as Joseph lay sleeping and he begins to dream, wondering what's going to happen to this uh, young lady named Mary and wondering if she really has uh, uh, been immoral and re- wondering really what has happened to her. And as the angel comes to her in a dream, he says, don't be afraid. What she has has been conceived of the Holy Ghost and you shall call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. It was the name of Jesus that was given to us at this time of year on his day of birth. It was given to us his name and there's got to be a people that say I'm not going to avoid his name in baptism but rather I want his name in baptism on my life. I don't want to live another day without his name being on my life. Folks will fuss and fight about Jesus' name, baptism, when there's not one, one example of the opposite in Scripture. There's not one there. I didn't write it. And folks will get fighting mad when you start talking about Jesus' name, baptism, that it is absolutely essential to being saved it is the death the burial and the resurrection applied to my life I want to tell you this morning that there's got to be that within us that says I want his name I want his name I'm not going to do it because I have to do it I'm not going to do it just I'm not even going to do it because the Bible says I have to do it but there's got to be something within you that says I want to do what the word of God says I want to have his name on my life in baptism I don't know who the Holy Ghost may be reaching for this morning but the Holy Ghost has come here to tell somebody today don't don't waste your money on generic Christianity don't waste your money on generic doctrine don't waste your time your energy and your effort and everything you are on some generic form of of, of salvation or generic form of Christianity but get in the book where the Bible says you must repent, you must be baptized in Jesus name and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost God is bringing a revival I believe to this nation and to the world of people that finally see it in the word of God and say I want to be baptized in the name, in the name, in the name in the name of Jesus Oh, let's clap our hands for a moment and give Jesus praise right now. There are people that are, there's a hunger in this generation. There's a hunger in this generation that's younger than 25 years old. That's really sick and tired of religion. And sick and tired of the same old, same old. But I believe there is even right now a release in the Holy Ghost, in the supernatural. Even in this city today, uh, there there are people that are hungry today. And they're hungry for true apostolic doctrine. They're hungry for true biblical doctrine. Not man-made formulas. Not man-made interpretations. But literal Bible doctrine preached by Jesus, preached by Peter, preached by Paul 
Paul and recorded for us in the Bible. I believe there's a generation that's rising up that's going to say, I want the name. I'm not satisfied with the titles over me. That wasn't biblical, but I've got to have the name of Jesus on me. I don't want to be separated from the name. I want to be covered in the name. I want to be completely uh, 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 immersed in the name. I've got to have his name upon my life. I want to be identified with the name. I want to be linked up with the name. I want to have the name of Jesus upon me. The Bible says for those that have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. If you have not been baptized into Christ, you have not put on Christ. What he was talking about was being baptized in the name of Jesus. That's where the name is applied to my life. That's where the name of Jesus is put on my heart forever. And once the name is there, then he looks at me and recognizes me as part of his bride. When the name of Jesus is upon my life, he looks down at me differently than he looks at everybody else. No matter matter what their good deeds or their good intentions are the question is do you have the name on your life do you have the name on your heart do you have the name on your spirit we've got to have the name we've got to have the name we've got to have the name stand with me this morning I believe this generation is sick and tired of generic doctrine Taste similar. Scriptures are quoted. Bible is given, but it's just something, man. It's just something's not, there's like, there's a missing ingredient. There's something that, that's not man. I can't, I don't know what the recipe is. See, I don't know what the recipe is for Coca-Cola. They keep that locked in a vault somewhere. Only a few people know it, and they and they and and for recipes such as that, they keep them locked in a vault, and only certain people know certain amounts of what, so one person can't take it and reveal it. Oh, but on a day in Bethlehem, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. As the prophet Isaiah spoke, I'm gonna tell you, man, I'm telling you, I feel angels in this place right now. As the prophet Isaiah spoke, unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Let me tell you something. While there are certain recipes locked in a vault somewhere that nobody will ever know what God was doing, what was happening on that day is he was revealing himself to all of mankind. And he was saying, I'm going to tell you who I am. I am the mighty God. I am the everlasting Father. I am the Prince of Peace. It's me, Jehovah Savior, Jehovah that will bring you salvation. He was saying, I am the God of the Old Testament. I'm not a different person. I'm not one third of the Godhead, but I am God manifest in flesh. I am the mighty God. I am the everlasting Father. 
and his name is Jesus. And when you say the name Jesus, and when it goes over your life in baptism, you get everything that comes along with the name of Jesus. He will be your provider. He will be your peace. He will be your answer. He will fight for you. Whatever you need in your life, the name of Jesus has it all. Whatever you lack in your life, the name of Jesus has it all. The recipe of Jesus is that everything the Bible says all the fullness of the Godhead dwells within him bodily. In Jesus is the Father. In Jesus is the Son. In Jesus is the Holy Ghost. It's not three different people, but it's one God manifest in one person. Oh, hallelujah, lift your hands and love the Lord right now. He came to us. He came to us and revealed himself. He revealed his name. He revealed his name. And it's Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. He's still the mighty God. Isaiah didn't get it wrong. Isaiah, Isaiah didn't. There wasn't a misprint in the book of Isaiah when it said that Jesus would be the everlasting father. Isaiah didn't mix it up. He didn't mess it up. No, what he was saying is the God that they had known in the Old Testament, Jehovah, would not be a different one in the New Testament. But Jehovah, our Savior, but Jesus would be the express image of the invisible God and I know his name he has given him a name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father if you have never been baptized in Jesus name you must be baptized in Jesus' name. There's got to be something within you that says, I want to have his name on my life. I want to have his name stamped on my spirit. I want to have my sins washed away. All the water's warm. Everything's ready for you to be baptized this morning. But God's going to touch somebody here in this place today. I wonder if you would lift your hands one more time to the Lord and lift your voice in this house and give him praise. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Brother Lockwood, I'll help you if you want to get if you want to be baptized this morning in Jesus' name. Brother Lockwood can help you this morning. The water's warm. We got everything you need, but God wants to do a work in your life. I wonder if somebody would join me around the front right now. We're just gonna celebrate the name of Jesus because it is the name above every name. It is still the name above every name. It is still the name above every name. If you've got a problem, the name of Jesus is higher. If you've got a situation, the name of Jesus is greater. If you've got a circumstance in your life that is beyond your help, the name of Jesus is higher. It is greater. It is greater. Somebody lift your hands and give God praise right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
want you to reach over, grab somebody by the, by the hand, or grab them, put them, put your hand on their shoulder, and why don't you pray with somebody right now? In the name of Jesus, God, you see what they're going through right now. We speak the name of Jesus over it. Whatever the circumstance is, whatever the problem is, in the name of Jesus. Jesus is greater. We're going to do something that's a little different this morning. We prayed a prayer like this probably uh, four or six months ago that was similar to this. But we're going to do this this morning. This is what I believe. I believe there are people that are in Bible studies right now, that people that you have not yet met, that the Lord is directing your path to them. They're hungry, but they don't quite know what they're hungry for. And this is what we're going to pray. I know this is a little different. But we're going to lift our hands and we're going to pray that there is a release in the Holy Ghost in the spirit realm. For a hunger for true apostolic doctrine. For Jesus' name, baptism. For the infilling of the Holy Ghost. That people, when they hear that they must take on the name of Jesus in baptism. That something in their spirit jumps. And they say, that's what I want. I must have it. I wonder if you lift your hands right now. Lord, upon the authority of the word of God. And the power of the name of Jesus. Right now we loose a hunger in this city. Upon every Bible study. Upon every home and every household. A hunger for apostolic truth. And Jesus' name, baptism. 
baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost right now in the name of Jesus. We take authority over false doctrine in the name of Jesus. We bind it in Jesus' name and let there be a hunger for Jesus' name baptism for the revelation of the mighty God in Christ to go forth from this place right now in the name of Jesus. Let it be released in Jesus' name. somebody right in the eye and say there's only one God and his name is Jesus come on say it again there's only one God and his name is Jesus oh hallelujah something starts to happen when you start talking about the one God this is why God told them in the Old Testament talk about it when you sit down talk about it when you rise up talk about it when you're sitting down to eat talking about it when you're going in and coming out it's always appropriate to talk about the one God. Something begins to tremble. The Bible says that devils believe that there is one God and they tremble. Something happens when you talk about the one God. One more time, lift your hands to the Lord and give him praise this morning all over this place. Let there be a shout of praise in this place right now. Hallelujah. Clap your hands to the Lord this morning. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.